0: Today our text comes from Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. One owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of them both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you go in peace. This morning I want to transport us from this room into the Pharisees' house, into the house of Simon. He just invited Jesus, who he considered to be a, a traveling rabbi, to his house to come and to speak. Now there's already growing tension between Jesus and the rab and the Pharisees, so this could get interesting. Now whenever a traveling rabbi would come into a town, it was customary for some prominent figure in the city to invite that traveling rabbi to their home, host a dinner, and do so in a room that was kind of open to others. Think of like a kind of a covered porch kind of setting where townspeople could come in and not join the table or the meal, but be witness to what was being taught. Now in the middle of this room is something called a triclinium. So imagine a great big sofa section that's in the shape of a U, only much lower to the ground. So it's good typical practice for the servant of the house, when guests come in, that they, they rush to them, clean their feet, so they're, when they recline, their, their feet are, are nice and, and, and clean from the dust and the dirt of the road. But that, doesn't, that hasn't happened yet. Now, Jesus enters, and we can see him come in. And the tension is thick. Really, really thick. And oddly, No one offers him water to wash his feet. No one offers him oil to refresh and anoint his head. Maybe just the tension, but no such greeting has been given to Jesus. And Jesus, he moves to a place of importance on the triclinium. And he he reclines down with his his left elbow propping himself up. And he stretches his feet out. And it's awkward. Jesus' feet are filthy. Filthy. And on display for everyone to see that the host has yet to have washed Jesus' feet. The the awkwardness in the host's negligence is obviously intentional, and the tension builds. And then something really strange happens. There's movement we see on the other side of the room. It's the sinful woman. She moves toward Jesus, and she's crying. She's weeping. She's like ugly crying. But not tears of pain or sorrow. These are, these are tears of incredible joy and gratitude. In her hands is this yellowish vial that she, she breaks open. And instantly we can all tell exactly what's inside. It's filled with perfume and the aroma fills the space. She falls to her knees and her, her eyes are, 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 are leaking so many tears that it, you can start to see them fall on Jesus' feet. And it, it starts to streak with mud, and she takes her hair and wipes his feet clean. Her hair. Now, now, maybe you're not aware of this because we're from, from Oviedo, Florida, but, but in, in this time, in this day and age, the scene that we are seeing with our eyes is so uncommon. Women were to keep their hair covered and up. You don't just flaunt what you have for all to see. To let your hair down was reserved for, well, let's consider it intimate relationships. But there were some exceptions. It is true that sometimes women would let down their hair to show a different type of intimacy, a religious devotion of gratitude. And that was certainly the case here. Now that I think about it, we've seen this woman before. She's been around Jesus, listening to his teaching, hearing about grace and mercy and forgiveness She's been moved by this unimaginable grace towards her. And this unimaginable grace has motivated in her an unimaginable act. To be kissing Jesus' feet, cleaning him, anointing him with perfume. And this is what the room sounds like. Just awkward silence. The only thing interrupting the silence is this woman sobbing. It's awkward. And, 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 and not a word has been spoken. The guests, we now turn our, our disproving eyes towards this woman doing this, this ridiculous act to Jesus. Certainly, he's going to say something, put an end to this. But Jesus meets every one of our gazes, looks at the woman and looks right at Simon, the Pharisee, the host of the home. And he says to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now this is an idiom in, in, the, in the language that, that, that maybe we, it's easy to miss, but this was often shared in, in scriptural times as a statement that would say, what I'm about to say, you are not going to like. Simon, I have something to say to you. Here we go. Jesus launches into one of his famous stories, you know, those, those parables that, that allow us to understand the unimaginable facets of the kingdom of God and put it into terms and ideas and concepts that we can grasp and understand. A moneylender has loaned money to two people. We'll translate the, the value into today's dollars. In today's time, it would be $22,000 to one debtor, and he gives $2,200,000 to the other debtor. It's pretty clear, God is the money lender, the debt is sin, we are the debtors. Now our sin is debt, and some of us have a little bit of debt, others are swimming in it. You know who you are, those of you who are worse than me, and not how we are Sometimes. We like to think that our sin doesn't smell as bad as other people's. I mean, we're here at church for goodness sake. Isn't God pleased with our obedient acts of faithfulness? The debtors could not pay when their note was due. Now, it's not like today's times when if if you foreclose on a house or you get a car repossessed or you Simply have a bad mark on your credit report. No, in these times, if you, if you canceled your debt, you were, if you, excuse me, if you could not pay your debt, you had two options. One was prison, the second was being sold into slavery. So, as Jesus is telling this story, all of us are, are, are listening. What's going to be the decision that the moneylender shares? And he cancels the debt instead of seeking repayment. Let this kind of soak in, that that we cannot pay our debt of sin to God. You you cannot pay your debt of sin to God. We cannot repay it. We are already slaves to our sin and deserve to be thrown into the fires of hell. But in Jesus, the very one speaking this parable, he's the one who declares us debt-free. He forgives our sins, our debt forgiven. And knowing that the debt must still be paid... Pays that price for us, not with gold or silver, but with his very own body and blood. My debt, your debt is paid. Then Jesus asked the Pharisee, "Which debtor loves the moneylender more?" Simon answered, "The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt." And Jesus said to him, "You have judged rightly." See, so regardless of the amount of sin that we have, I hate to admit that my my sin. Has the same cost as yours. That our sins are due the same punishment as people not here today. We all have that same punishment hanging over our shoulders, that same debt that we cannot pay. Then turning to the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see her? I entered your house. She gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And you can tell by the evidence of her love that she's expressing here today. Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. This is all about identity. The Pharisee looks at himself and sees a a righteous and devout religious leader. He seems to have forgotten Isaiah's words when the prophet wrote, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. The Pharisee looks at Jesus and sees a threat to his way of life. Jesus looks at the Pharisee and sees a man whose false sense of self-righteousness is the stinkiest stench in the room. He looks at the woman. He looks at the woman and sees her faith in his promise to forgive and save. The woman sees herself as Jesus sees her, a forgiven daughter of God. So if this is all about identity, we have to ask ourselves, who am I? I'm a sinner in need of repentance and forgiveness. Let's pull back from that room and just be present with ourselves right now. Just kind of take stock in in who you are. It's so easy for for perhaps lifelong Lutherans to think that that God loves our faithful obedience. We do our best to follow the Ten Commandments, sure. Not not perfectly, but, but pretty good. I mean, some of us in this room are probably like in the 80th percentile. Maybe some of you are in the 90th percentile. But unless you keep it perfectly, it's still imperfection. The sacrifice is still the same. Our need for the Savior who died on the cross and burst out of the tomb is our only reason that we can have peace. Peace. To just know that grace of God. I can tell you, as one who's grown up in the church, if church was open, we were there all the time. And I could talk about grace with other people, but I had a hard time accepting it for myself. I've often said that if, if God's grace is like a torrential downpour, I would go out in the middle of it with an umbrella because I felt like my sins were too big and too bad. For his grace but about 15 years ago god changed all of that and he revealed to me what his love and grace truly is and he soaked me with it and it changed my life forever i want to let you know if you've been walking around in the rainstorm with an umbrella it's time to take that umbrella down to receive and be overwhelmed by the unimaginable grace of god that if he can unimaginably forgive me. He can unimaginably forgive you for everything, to set you free, to give you peace, a peace with God that passes all understanding. Like that sinful yet forgiven woman was moved to outrageous lengths to express her love for what Jesus had done. I know I don't even have to tell you this, That let let that incredible lavish grace of God move you to show grace to somebody else, and that gets to the application part. Like, how do we how do we take this into our life? Part of our reaction to Jesus' unimaginable grace is the ability to actually see people. Remember Jesus' question to the Pharisee: "Do you see this woman?" One of the amazing qualities of Jesus was his ability to look at somebody and just know them, not what they look like, but who they are, what their problems are, what their needs are, what their joys are, to truly know me, to truly know you. See, we have a tendency sometimes of thinking ourselves better than we ought Tiger is just a, a sinful man who is was completely washed and set free from that sin by his loving and gracious God. And we don't have the right to reject outcasts, because if we rejected all outcasts, this room would be empty today. Not one of us would be worthy to be here. So we need to be willing to embrace all types of sinners without condoning or approving of bad behaviors challenge to you this week is to keep your eyes peeled for somebody who is in need to be seen maybe it's somebody who thinks that they're invisible that they don't matter maybe it's somebody that the world has given up on but someone who is in need maybe that person is even in your own home place of work or your neighborhood have compassion on that person get to know them see them everyone has a story Everyone is more than what they appear like on the outside. Sometimes the one who who everyone thinks is sinful is actually set free. The ones who look pretty good on the outside perhaps have darkness on the inside. Most importantly, focus on the unimaginable grace that Jesus has shown you. And let your gratitude lead you to be like the woman. Let your hair down and love someone in need. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. That regardless of the the level of sin that we have in our life, you have come to set us free from all of it. I pray for those who are burdened with guilt and shame today. That you would let them know of your lavish love for them. Refresh them today. Father, for for those of us who, who know your grace, move us, inspire us to have compassion for those around us. To identify those in need, to share your love with them. We praise you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.